Geordie's Log, Stardate Episode 3.25. Not gonna lie, I feel great. Gonna talk to Julie Warner. Gonna make Worf so proud. I volunteered to stick some doohickey on my head and switch, I don't know, personalities or something with the dying guy on Planet 89. I wasn't really listening, just dealing with the fact that everybody there knows that I need a volunteer just means, hey, Geordie, aren't you the lowest rank here on this particular away team? Again? Eddie, it worked out. I just feel great. <laughs> Welcome to Reengage, the suddenly weekly podcast from a bunch of Gen X goofballs re-engaging with Star Trek The Next Generation, the boomer takeover of the greatest generation's dreams of the future for Gen X and millennials. I'm joined, as always, by perfect people, delightful rogues, all my fellow cultural bridge officers, and good-to-great friends, Kate Yeager, Jimmy G, and Greg Tito. Hi, Eric. Hi! How y'all doing? Greg, what's up? <laughs> Very excited to talk about having a really big nylon uh, bodysuit at the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, it's the single worst effect on Earth. It belongs oh, in the Pantheon. We'll talk about the worst effects in sci-fi history. This <laughs> belongs among them. <laughs> Kate Yeager, what's up with you today? Uh, I am delighted to be here uh, amongst this galaxy of stars and to discuss some swagger that our friend gets and uh, whether or not it was inside Jordy all along uh, or was there something past? I don't know. I'm excited to, to get into it. Yeah, it's which came first, the chicken or the herpes. Jimmy G, <laughs> what's up with you, sir? <laughs> Uh, I am doing very well, and I am super excited to talk about the comedic brilliance that is Worf, son of Mog. Oh, hell yeah. He has some all-timers in this particular episode. I know I was smiling you were smiling. out loud a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we start with Greg Tito, who'll tell us what was going on in the world when this particular episode aired. Absolutely. It was June 4th, 1990, and on May 30th, George H.W. Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev began a four-day summit meeting in Washington, D.C. It was yet another uh, meeting between these two as they sought to end uh, the Cold War that had been governing kind of diplomacy between the two countries for the last few decades. Uh, and on this particular one, Mikhail Gorbachev and Bush signed a treaty that would end chemical weapon production and would begin the destroying of their their stockpiles of such chemical weapons. So that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they didn't start building them again for a little while, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or they sold it all to Saddam Hussein. You know, who knows? But they got rid of some of it. Also, that was June first. Uh, that happened. Uh, also on that day, this is uh, I'm not sure if I remember the exacts of this, but members of the Provisional Irish Republican Army shot and killed two British Army soldiers. Major Michael Dillon Lee and Private William Robert Davies. And it was just another thing that led to uh, Patriot Games being produced in the 90s. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> On June 4th, Dr. Jack Kevorkian did something. Anybody think they know Saved what that is? Saved a baby from drowning. Almost. The opposite of that. Oh. Uh, assisted an Oregon woman. Murdered a baby <laughs> with 
<laughs> sucking all the water out of it. <laughs> uh, but this was it was on June 4th. It was the same day that this aired. He assisted a suicide, uh, and it sparked many debates about him, uh, Dr. Death, Dr. You know all the things around that, but it was just I just found it odd that it was like, oh yeah, this is this is the I believe the first time he had done it. It was talked about for decades afterwards, and I don't think it's still kind of resolved. Oh yeah, it's only permitted under the strictest guidelines in a very few uh, locations even now. And it was only a plot in like three different uh, hospital shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fascinating. It actually has some tendrils of meaning with this particular episode. And then finally, June 4th, the New York Telephone Company announced that it wanted to make the Bronx area code 917. And uh, it was denied. They did not make that the area code for the Bronx. They ended up using it for uh, cell phones in Manhattan and all the five boroughs of uh, New York City. And I myself have a 917 number. So I thought, hmm. Who, I didn't think that went all the way back to 1990, but but it did. I ended up with a 646 somehow. And that's all. That's all I got. I like it. And that's all that was happening at this particular moment in time <laughs> during that particular moment in research. Thank you, Greg Tito. <laughs> Kate Yeager, what about the fun stuff that was happening around this particular June? Well, the fun stuff uh, in the music world, Madonna continued to dominate with a little vogue. Oh, but on our on. modern rock hit charts policy of truth by depeche mode was number one continuing well that's your own personal jesus god damn it it sure is yes but, <laughs> but that was a really good version of that thank you yeah. and you didn't pass out or nothing not yet yet on the movie screen, we were getting our ass to Mars. Total Recall, Aww. number one. Oh, Verhoeven. Yes. How was China? <laughs> uh, oh. The Jaeger household says, get ready for a surprise. Oh, <laughs> <the> goddamn! <laughs> and then your body oh, opens yeah. up and there's yes. a bomb. <laughs> and in legal news, uh, a U.S. district court ruled that the rap album as nasty as they want to be by two live crew two live crew violated florida's obscenity law and he declared that the predominant subject matter of the record was quote directed to the dirty thoughts and the loins not the intellect and the mind end mm. quote mm. serious thinker i remember in my youth group growing up two live that, that album was you know the white whale because everybody was desperate to listen to it but also knew that it would send us straight to hell uh, right <laughs> damn you tipper gore <laughs> and that's uh what was happening that's what was happening in the hearts and minds of the children mm -hmm. uh <laughs> let's go along with you jimmy g tell us what was happening backstage did we yes. have the right kind of drama anybody get arrested no one got arrested, but holy shit! Uh, one of our returning characters finally got a last name, none other than Julie, Mrs. Hench or Miss Henshaw. Henshaw, she was Henshawed the fuck out of herself in this episode. That's right. Uh, we last saw her in Booby Trap, and in that episode, she told Jordy that she quote wasn't interested in him in that way. And boy. What a couple episodes can do to change a gal's mind because 
She straight up wanted to smash from the get-go. There was no subtlety. You knew what she wanted. Jordy just couldn't live up to it at first. Had to get touched by a magic hey, uh, hey. alien. We'll talk about it, man. Yes, let's hey. talk about that later. Hey. Yes, of course. We're not there. <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. And uh, you might remember El Baz, the shuttle pod. We last saw that in Times Squared. I believe that's when uh, Picard first died. Maybe it was the second death. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got to see the motor assist bands in this episode. This is what helped the transitioning alien learn how to walk again we get to see those again uh when Worf gets hurt in uh episode ethics and Ooh. i don't know if you noticed Ooh. that uh almost every time we see beverly she has a tricorder in her hand and that was by that was no mistake they had built a brand new tricorder with a bunch of fancy lights it would debut in this episode they wanted to make sure that uh, they use the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> Hell this yeah, that's the way you do a product intro. Yeah, <laughs> it cost us a hundred grand. We're gonna get it in every scene. <laughs> and John Doe's transfiguration at the end of the episode was done live. He wore a fluorescent no. bodysuit that reacted differently on the film, so they lit it. A little bit, but it was the film that actually helped give it that effect. I don't know that it was that great of an effect. It could kind of look like a big body sock. <laughs> it was a big body sock. We'll talk about that too at length, I promise you. Uh, but that is all I have from the Nemesic Files this week eric well i love it everybody you're bringing your a game let's get to it we're gonna talk about these individual guest stars when we come upon them in the wild uh we open in the bar at 10 forward and one of my absolute new favorite bangers of a cold open with jordy just deflating on his stool <laughs> 10 forward with stalwart <laughs> wharf at his side calling him a wimp and a simpleton uh <laughs> We get a real, like, oh, it's her, it's her, don't look, don't look, junior high vibe here, and it's amazing. Give me some reactions. What do you think, Jimmy? What was going on? Uh, this was just the very beginning of <laughs> one of Warp's most hilarious episodes. I mean, this guy, like I said, had me smiling out loud uh, more than once in two really <laughs> great back-to-back -back ones. Such loud smiles, Jimmy. Yeah, loud, loud smiles. Nobody's in the house, and they still woke people up. It was <laughs> so good. I loved Worf's line here, where he's like, "You must let her see the fire in your right. eyes." And Jordy just has that moment of like, "Thanks, buddy. That really helps." Yeah. I'm blind. <laughs> Can't see. I got a visor over my eyes. There's no fire here. It's a Cyclops reference from, from the X-Men. It's a visor-to-visor -visor kind of reference. I love that right, af right after that, he says, words come later. It is the scent that first speaks of love. <laughs> Which I rewound because I was like, I can't possibly have heard what I thought I heard. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. That whole that whole lead up to Julie Warner's separating herself from her friend in the back and kind of sauntering directly to a man who has his back to her who is not paying any attention she is into it from the moment as jimmy says complete change in direction she is zeroed in 
So, Miss Julie Warner, star of Silver Screen and a favorite, hey, it's her, actor of mine. <laughs> we talked about her on the Booby Trap episode, but again, Doc Hollywood, Indian Summer, oh my goodness, oh, Tommy yeah. Boy. I really think I missed out on my chance to lead that musical, but I guess I could play the Tom Senior track with a couple of folks from the road and the guy at the end. Okay, I'm, I'm sold. Someone write it. Recurring on The Good Doctor last year, and just before that, she was writer-director Stephen Fawcett's Unbelievable with three exclamation points which i'd never heard of but it stars snoop dogg as major legrand bush garrett wong as dr charles hunter trek royalty garrett wong harry kim chase masterson from all the other franchises tim russ the perfect and regrettably late michelle nichols robert picardo marina sirtis michael dorn walter koenig nana visitor etc not currently available for streaming but i'm gonna find it Wait, Snoop Dogg is it? This is not. I. This is unbelievable. Yeah. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Miss Julie Warner comes walking down to the bar with Jordy on her mind. Jordy, Jordy and Worf give more like, "Don't look, don't look," as she joins them at the bar. Kate, how does this encounter go? Oh, it is. Would you say it is so painfully awkward? Like it hurts. <laughs> it hurts because she's like. She's like lobbing the ball at him, right? And he's just like delayed reaction. Like the ball is hitting him in the forehead. Like it is just, it is, it is just terrible. Yeah. He's almost Barclay like in his responses. Yes. Of like, can't, you can't even say a sentence. Fine. 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 I'm a, I am no. good at words. <laughs> right. Yeah. It feels like some, the way someone would act if you legit hated this person. Like it's so bad. <laughs> That it's like angry, almost. It's it's truly fascinating. And then before she even turns away, he like puts his head in his hands. <laughs> like it's just how more offensively difficult to right. talk to could you be? And it's Wait. it's a poor <laughs> uh, poor Jordy the character because they just treat him like you are whatever we need for the moment. There's no overall Jordy. You're just right now. We need you to be an insecure dork. And uh, so now you're going to play it as if that's who you've always been, because it serves yep. the scene coming up later. We don't care about anything that's happened before or anything that comes later. Right now, this is what you got to be. Yeah, he's the baritone in the barbershop quartet that is the bridge crew. <laughs> <laughs> What's your headcanon, though, for why Julie has a change of heart? Like, I was trying to think of, like, what happened? Did she, like, go through every other officer and was like i don't like any of these dudes this at least this guy tried she went on like three dates that's yeah. all it takes like she, three yeah. dates with other guys on the ship and was like oh fuck this having dismissed someone in the past as a i just would rather be your friend and then uh marrying them later you know those things happen who oh you wouldn't know him <laughs> <laughs> Julie Christie, as we'll now refer to her, uh, walks away and Worf ends it with, I have much to teach you about women. And that is our cold open. But wait! Suddenly, Riker calls Jordy on the walkie-talkie and says, hey, come have a walkie-talkie with us in person. And so Doc, Jordy, Riker, and Data are now striding confidently to the transporter room because a tiny ship on planet 89 has a tiny flickering lifespan. Let's go! Down to the planet. There's this burnt-up guy, very messy, uh, but only mostly dead. So the doc asks for a volunteer, and Jordy, to his credit, does the math so smoothly that there's no discernible hesitation as he says right here. Now, 
there was never going to be a volunteer other than Jordy, right? Like, they're not going to let number one do it, and Data isn't help. So, like, why didn't she look up and go, hey, Jordy? She outranks them, right? She could have just been, like, you know, here, Lieutenant. I'm just, I feel like it had to be Jordy, and they were all very kind to pretend he had a choice. <laughs> he got he got voluntold. He did. He got voluntold. So he puts a doohickey on, and there's a very unconcerning yellow flash from one doohickey to another. Data clocks it right away, and he does kind of a, like, did you all see that? Kind of vibe. And then we get a transporter room, three to beam directly to sickbay. And, I mean, don't you want to be able to say that sometime? Like, that's one of the great Trek lines. Three to beam directly to sickbay. Well, and nobody talks about how brilliant O'Brien is, that he knows exactly which of the three are going out of the five that are present. Nobody has to tell yeah. him. He knows. Boom. It's he, Jordy, the dead guy, in Beverly. Gotcha. Do you think O'Brien's always kind of listening and always kind of watching the GPS on whoever is down there? Except for when he's kayaking. Except yeah. yeah. O'Brien knows everything. Can we talk a little bit about the makeup of how grotesque the the, the wound was on this poor yeah. guy? Yeah. It was awful. The Ark of the Covenant, but briefly. You see brain matter, and then, like, if you look closely, you can see his teeth, like, oh, yeah. the side of his teeth. And he lost an really arm. really gross. His left arm. He lost an arm. It was well done. I didn't see any of that. I was busy with the doohickey. Go ahead, Kate. <laughs> I'll have to say it was, more, it was more well done than the sort of murky science that was, like, Put this on your head for reasons oh. because of brain. We're going to get into a lot of the murky <laughs> science of this episode. They just were double talking all over the place. Right. None of it made any sense. And it was the best. Yeah. I loved it Amazing. so hard. Was it that he needed his like heartbeat rhythms of your brain or going to help his heartbeat rhythms mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, some of our brains. Feel and... your heartbeat into and, uh, my brain you know it's almost like the human version of a mind meld like he was like we need your brain to stabilize his brain and we can't do the your mind to my mind thing so put this on your forehead and we can see his brain right there yeah right <laughs> like just touch his brain you can meld with it all right so three beam directly to sickbay and then we can only assume that Riker and data just kind of look at each other and shrug and maybe Riker like kicks a pebble <laughs> and so that they find they find open. a ship in a bottle thing that they they were looking for yeah computer gel capsule we get credits and we roll and here we are in sickbay, where extras carry and scurry and lights flicker, and Beverly tells the tech to get the flockster life around the exterior nomtoplasty before this FDA kicks the forecaster over into drive and loses the containment on his occipital frustration. I gotta design a virus to eat all that messy burn stuff off his face. Do it now. Like, it was just the best bullshit double talk. Jimmy, I know you like that I, I was loving it. I was like, I, none of these things mean anything. And I love that too. And except for what she said, I gotta design a virus. Like, it's that easy, huh? <laughs> we don't talk enough about, well, of course they get infected by a new virus. Everybody's just making viruses. They have another one later in the episode where it's techno babble oh. and it's like almost two minutes of straight techno babble oh we're gonna do that one too it's a lot of fun on the bridge now we get some more good data analysis this time about the alien ship which was surrounded by the debris of more ship apparently and there was evidence of phaser fire what more can you tell us data row row Maybe things got blown the F up I love how like Picard states the obvious each time after here he's like mm, so clearly phaser fired means <laughs> there was phasers fired yes 
And so what's the problem? Well, I mean, we can't download this one because it runs on Mac and our IT folks are these PC theorists and it's exhausting. So Data's got to design this workaround. It should take a few hours, but there's a lot of K on this drive that they can get and really figure out maybe what happened. They're going to get in the What do you guys out. think happened at this point? Were you remembering this episode clearly? No. I did not remember this at all. No, I had no memory of this episode. Yeah, I I had no idea to the point where when Jordy says I feel great, I was like, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. right? He's possessed. (laughs) Yeah, like what's gonna happen to Jordy? I did remember this one. For some reason, this is one of those that has stuck with me mostly because of the performance of our John Doe here. Like he is so yeah spiritual almost, and I just I remember the flashing and the the evolution into a light being. I remember all of that. So this was. This was like going down memory lane a little bit where I'm like, oh, yeah, right. And that and that I'd forgotten the whole Jordy part. But other than that, I remembered the bodysuit. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, the bodysuit. I, I did not remember that it was a bodysuit. In the meantime, the doc says we should monitor the patient. I mean, that seems like a good plan. Right. So the nurse says, OK, Jordy comes into sickbay to ask if he can leave sickbay. I found that to be really kind of a fun little thing. <laughs> the door opens and he walks in and says, can I go back out? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jordy feels as good as someone who feels great. But when he and the captain pass each other in the door, neither one says anything to each other. And it's very strange. So the alien, it turns out, has amazing recuperative powers. And they say that to each other. And neither one seems worried. Like, they're so blasé that if, I mean, if I were talking to someone about an unknown alien and heard amazing recuperative powers, I'd be like, burn it, throw it out the window, <laughs> warp nine. Like, dude, I've seen every movie like this. Burn it. Done. I, I had the opposite reaction. I was like, why aren't we taking adamantium and putting it into his bones? <laughs> He's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. He killed the people who put that shit on his bones. Stop it. But maybe he's nice about it now. All right. They're also, no, they're equally just unaffected by the news that he is actively mutating in front of they him. They even get that helpful multimedia presentation about it that doesn't move <laughs> And them. it does not, yeah. like, it's not like maybe we should contain him or watch, you know, like, put him in a cage. <laughs> they didn't see Leviathan. They didn't see Alien. Yeah. They didn't see Deep Star 6. They didn't see... <laughs> they had the, on the multimedia display, there's like a little green monster that just continuously kept running down at the bottom. Like, that's not right terrifying no that yep burn it you guys you guys like lead the universe in force field technology like something he's just like laying on your slab come on picard got sussed it out right away too as soon as that multimedia thing came i was like oh mutating cells i can Mm. see that now of course yeah Yeah. she even gives like the i've never seen anything like it and i'm like y'all do not watch enough movies i've seen so many things like it burn it all right so jordy and Worf 
have a Gontar cube that they got from the ground around the rest of the fucking uh, broken uh, vessel, and it looks like a blue crystal hand grenade with a crazy straw from the alien ship. And Jordy suggests that they can access some flight data by undercutting the relay from the Jonks configuration to the intersection of storage data with skeletal girth. And Data says, intriguing. And Worf says, what? <laughs> Kick rocks, nerd. No, he says, let's talk more synthahol. <laughs> but that's what, a I, mixture of both yeah, really jimmy that, was doing the subtext yeah i wrote that down because his look beforehand was kick rocks oh for like, sure he's a little like oh, all this science talk <laughs> well, none of you are picking up the scent so. that is in this room <laughs> and then jordy spots julie warner at the bar and even though there's a table right in front of him he doesn't set down his gontar tube mm-hmm. he just hands it over to wharf and picks her up for a walk out the door Worf gives it to Data, and I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> I've been tutoring him. He learns quick. Good stuff, Worf. <laughs> Good stuff. That was the perfect, like, delay, delay, delay. Hilarious. He's a student of mine. I've yeah. taught him everything. It's so good. I also like that you mentioned how uh, uh, Julia says in the earlier episode, I don't like you that way. And she throws that line back at Jordy, saying, I didn't think you liked me that way. That, no, that was you. Okay, right? <laughs> that was you doing the rejection. <clears throat> it's the rubber and glue. It's it, it's the game. It sets him up for the great line, though, because she says, I didn't think you were interested in this kind of thing. And he gets to say, there are many things about me you don't know, which is like, mm-hmm. like set up, tee it off and, and touch down. I like to mix my metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> The Arboretum is basically just code at this point. Yeah. Though. It's like, oh, let's right. smash. Right. Let's go to the Arboretum. That's where Wesley took his date, right? Mm-hmm. The Arboretum. They smashed there. Oh, yeah. mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Was that two life crew you were? <laughs> this is all going very well, everyone. All right. So we go to the sick bay and our patient wakes the fuck up, gives us a. That's terrifying. Who am I? And the music swells. End of act two. Oh. All right. Who is he? It's been a long time since we had a good amnesia plot going on here. I don't know, but he's got great eyes. Yeah. He does. He this is. is Mark Lemura. Best known as Mark Dalton on All My Children, mm-hmm. Emmy nominated. He did tons of TV guest work and stage stuff. Fun career. Terrific in this episode. So we bring up amnesia. Where does your head go Soap with opera. amnesia? Like, what are your favorite amnesia plots? in fictional history what comes to your head overboard fuck yeah great choice jimmy i didn't see the remake with anna ferris was it i saw it it was it was good it's good yeah i'll give it a go i'm thinking of like a general hospital wasn't there like an amnesia oh every couple years yeah scorpio didn't know he was scorpio yeah. Wow. <laughs> Poor Scorpio. Yeah, remember but Robert Scorpio's Scorpio? had it rough. I, I don't want us to pass over this moment because I want to give props to Tell the props me. crew for sticking with the um I believe the pattern is red, blue, red, blue jars of uh some kind of gel that you see just as people enter into Sick Bay. 
they they put that up in season one and they have stuck with it for three seasons and uh kudos to them what's in the jars do you think blood and blue matter which is a t- mutating cells <laughs> blood romulan ale blood <laughs> romulan ale it's how you fix everybody secretly yeah Inject it's them. perfect blood and romulan ale so with this particular amnesia, where do you think we were headed? Kate, did you have a particular like, oh, fuck oh, in mind? I, well, because they, they set things up nicely. Like he ter- terrifies her when he wakes up, right? Because he grabs her hand. And mm-hmm. like I still, because I didn't remember, was still on the like, uh-oh. And we just saw Jordy being really not aggressive, but like much more confident than he was before. So I was still thinking like, uh oh, like we're gonna find out he's a bad guy and it's gonna be the question of like, does your past matter if your present is clean? I don't know. I that's where I thought we were going. Mm, wow, you wrote a nice little uh yeah. uh storyline there. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> but he's so charming right out the bat. He's like, Thank you for my life. Yeah, I don't trust him. I'm with Kate. Mm. I was looking for stuff. See, I think this is the reason why I remember this episode is because my mom loved all my children and was excited about this episode because uh, she knew this actor and uh, probably had a crush on him or something. I don't know, but it felt like, Oh, it was, it was, it was uh, almost like a very flirty way that he acts with her almost right away. Yes. I don't trust it. Well, he wears the fuck out of that jumpsuit. (laughs) Like, <laughs> yes. I couldn't pull Getting that off. Getting tighter every appearance. I could not pull that off, and uh, he did. His next, his next jumpsuit. They give him the full, yeah. like loose material, so you can see his nipples through it. Yeah, it's not very often you see male nipples through a sweater. It's they, they were into this. There were dude. many, many secret mounds. Now later on, the codpiece <laughs> action comes right yeah. into play. Whoa. Oh, boy. It's not a god piece. <laughs> it is going really well. All right, so he's healing fast. Beverly says he's all they've been talking about since he arrived. You don't tell the enemy that. God damn it, Beverly. You're giving away everything. John Doe is like, I'm ready to get going. Maybe we can go explore the ship and stuff, and I can see how y'all work and you know, where the secrets are. And the doctor's like, well, here's some doohickeys to help you walk that Jimmy was talking about. And uh, he's like, oh, right, for I am weak. And they put it on, and he gets that weakness after three or four steps, like when it's unexpected. And I thought he did that really well. Like, if you haven't felt that, you will feel that as a human. And, like, I thought it was pretty good. It was believable, for sure. Totally believable. Uh, Yeah. That getting up with confidence and finding yourself surprised. And he even had like a little bit of swagger when he was talking. He's like, I'm going to surprise you. I'm gonna, I'm more stronger than you think I am. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, I do. I need any help. And then Picard, after, after he does this whole walk around, Picard gets yeah. to hold on to him too, which I thought was nice. Yeah. Picard comes in right at that moment and is like, okay, who are you? And he goes, well, I don't, I don't know. He says, you don't know? He goes, well, I don't know anything from before sickbay. Well, what about right before sickbay? No. What about right before that, though? No. I I mean, no. (laughs) Picard asks all these questions in a row that are just re-asking the first question, which I kind of respect. Yeah, you got to see how he stays consistent, right? It's it's like a little bit of an interrogation technique. Uh, The Picard and Beverly are talking about uh, you know the the various ways they can at, uh, attack the uncertainty around old Johnny Doe, and then there's a sudden pain in the chest, 
a new issue and it's a mystery mm. and the end of this particular scene she says i think it has maybe something to do with the mutation and they all just go hmm interesting mm. like, That's cool. like yeah. <laughs> no sort of concern as it the, will beverly as it will about the inner glow too the that he was producing. Yeah, like, I'm like, is he going to explode? Is he going to lizardify? Like, I don't know what the mutation is going to be. And they don't seem concerned at all. You're right. No. There's no thought of it being a danger to anyone. It's like they haven't even watched their own show. (laughs) It's because his eyes are very disarming. That's true. They are. He's a dreamboat. So was Svengali. That's true, too. (laughs) And he exploded. So we move off to Riker waiting for the elevator. I can never think of it. It takes me like a minute and a half to think of turbo lift every time. It's not a great name. Can't do it. All right. So Riker waiting for the turbo lift and Jordy and Christy are just happy to show the world, aren't they? Making out. PDA is very unprofessional. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, very they're off duty, maybe. She is. She's not a, a member of the military, I don't think. He's in uniform. If you're in uniform, yeah. you're on duty. It doesn't matter. He was more like on booty, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> And Julie Warner says, this is where I get off. Oh, yes. Come on. True. Come on, writer's room. True. I did note that. Definitely smiled out loud at that one. Yeah. Do you think that was a knock at Riker? Being like, hmm, you couldn't. You couldn't do this. But Jordy can. Uh, Why not? Sure. I love it. Because he says Miss Crenshaw or whatever her last name is. Like He does it in a... Miss Henshaw. Mm -hmm. Then they get on. Riker says bridge. And he gives Jordy this amazing look. That Jordy hasn't said where he's going, and somehow it, it knows they're going to different places because it hasn't started yet. And Jordy goes, Oh, deck six, and then the whole thing starts. Uh that's a very smart computer. Again, I think it's I think it's O'Brien like, <laughs> watching everyone who's watching and makes all these things happen with like a lever system behind him that we never see. Deck sex. So Riker really likes Miss Crenshaw because or Henshaw, because he talks about Miss Christie Henshaw many times and makes a point to say Miss Henshaw every single time. There's a whole scene about how much Riker likes Miss Henshaw. And the Riker also thinks Jordy is become like Riker 2.0. <laughs> He's like, I like this new you that seems like me. What do you guys think? Do you like this new Jordy who seems a little more Rikerish? He's fine for this episode. He'll be gone. <laughs> To Jimmy's point, yeah. it does not seem consistent. It seems all over the place. Uh, but <laughs> I will say it's a nice way to show his like bumblingness so much very yeah. early on and to see the growth. Um, it is, you know, sometimes all you need is that little vote of confidence to kind of feel that swagger. Yeah. So I, I get that. As Jordy's getting off the turbo lift, Riker goes like, hey, dude, Henshaw. And Jordy's all, pshaw. Okay, maybe. Later, bro. And they move on. And O'Brien has the best entrance of his career thus far. Before he says a word, I'm laughing. I I managed to pause it before he said anything because just the sight of him coming in and that early 90s mall carpet was just amazing. (laughs) What did y'all think of Mr. O'Brien's wetsuit? The glory of Mr. O'Brien's wetsuit. I'm not deep into the lore of kayaking wetsuits because it 
just looked like a wetsuit to me. I didn't I didn't know there was so much to it. It looked like the game Simon looked like he was wearing Simon <laughs> and it was just the most perfect thing I'd ever seen. You know, this is actually the first time too. Um I, I not being a Deep Space Nine person, I didn't know this, but I guess this carries through to Deep Space Nine where he has shoulder issues from kayaking. Oh, okay. Uh, and this is where it was introduced and then it, it does have continuity into the other oh. series. I just like that it gives us the opportunity to see Wesley just be a big dumb fuck because he just comes in and oh. whaps him right on the shoulder, uh, <sighs> which I, fair enough, have done uh, to... <laughs> people like i if you have a new tattoo i will find it i I have that same talent kate i don't know where that is i like rarely ever like slap people on the back but with the few times i have like two out of the three times they've had new tattoos right right (laughs) they got a new tattoo (laughs) so wesley comes in as kate was saying smacks the right place and then john walks in not too far behind and says sickbay is boring i want to go out with your mom like yeah he does he does mention the mom and then john doe gets sick of o'brien's caterwauling and goes over and heals him by laying on of hands o'brien gives this whole what the fuck in his face that is fantastic and wonderful like o'brien is us in the sickbay and i'm grateful the thing that only thing that i don't love about this is that a dislocated shoulder is such a very specific injury that it's not you really just need to pop it back in sometimes sometimes there's additional damage that happens there but there was no popping you didn't see it move or go in there i I think it would have been better if they just broken it because then that's a much more impressive heel Mm. than him just laying hands on it and then being like somehow the socket went back into the into the ball i don't know i think that since it was o'brien the socket actually uh, transported over to meet where the ball was. <laughs> and that's why you didn't see the motion in particular. The The big Simon Says wetsuit masked some of it, but the rest was uh, yeah. was simply the, the motion of the transporter. Beverly does her thing again. She scans again. Yeah. Yes, like, oh, that good. beautiful tricorder. Fully healed. Beautiful tricorder work. Bev and Wesley have dinner, and Wesley sleeps and showers in that uniform, doesn't he? <laughs> like, he just looks like the kid who never takes it off. But also, stop asking your mom about who she wants to smash, dude. That's gross. <laughs> just... He does imply the obvious pretty quick. I thought it was sweet. Uh, Of course you did. (laughs) I thought her denial was fucking hilarious, too. It's like, no, I don't want to smash. It's different for us. It's spiritual for us. It's like she's going to break every oath that she has and justify it because it's different for her. Mm. That's what that whole dialogue was to me. She's like, no. So on the bridge, Jordy is like, we have the Gorfax cube, and what if it's kind of alive? And then they go back and forth like, computer, give the Gorfax cube a milk bone. And then the moment that happened and they gave it a little treat, there's a map that they found. And then what's the map of? Computer is like, I, I don't know. We're not done mapping this sector yet. Well, see, most people would have left it there, but what do they do? They went deep into the having the computer do all the hard work while looking smart for asking the right question. Yes, 
<laughs> enhance. <laughs> right, right. Journey and data enhance each other. You know, maybe this symbol is all about movement. Okay, maybe this flight path implies a time frame around a bending hometown. Yes, and then using Benetti's defense, we take turns swinging <laughs> through the pulsar forest until, and then together they say, we're digging in the wrong place. And then we get to set a course to where John Doe came from. Just that easy. When they tell John Doe that we're going home, Kate, what, do you, what how would you describe his reaction? He is very firm uh, that he should not go home. <laughs> Thank you very much. And they're much. like, well, where's home? I don't know. He's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but you cannot take <laughs> me there. <laughs> I don't even know what the word home means. I don't means. trust this dude. And I wrote here, I remember nothing about this episode. I don't trust this dude. Burn him. <laughs> Burn him. Burn him. <laughs> At this point, when he has his little, uh, he fills with light, you know, again, my husband said, is he a Care Bear? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> oh, it's Tenderheart. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's wonderful. And Greg even knows one of the names. <laughs> oh. Care Bear so Stare. My other favorite in this particular moment is they say we won't arrive at this star system for at least three weeks right after Picard says this won't affect our schedule much. They don't do shit. <laughs> they, they do absolutely nothing out there. They drift in the cosmic winds. Well, I, I actually appreciate that there's some time passage in this episode, yes. right? Like he's been yeah. there for, for some weeks uh, at the very Yeah, while well, they've been doing shit. <laughs> it's called pre-tirement. They're pre-tiring, but they're also mapping. It's a new sector that they've never been mapped before. And they have to map by by actually physically uh, yeah. well, how else going through it? it. It's the Google. By, by telling Jordy, can we extend our sensors <laughs> like we fucking did last week? Oh, they're up to 11. Before. They've scratched a 12 in at this point. But no, I kind of like that they were like, we, we've never seen these the species that we're about to meet ever before. They don't have no like you know frame of reference. And you no, I love like, all We of don't that. care. But so I actually kind of appreciated that made sure to, in the storytelling show that this is this is brand new space that no one has ever been in. John Doe is, you know, sorry, I freaked out. It's no big deal. And then he's left alone, like Kate says, and the gold exploded from his chest. And we all assume that everything's just going to be fine. <laughs> it's the equivalent of a, of a character coughing into a, of a, a handkerchief yes. and seeing blood. <laughs> everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You don't even have to see the blood anymore. If anybody ever coughs, they're going to be dead. Burn them! <laughs> it's just the way it works on television. And life. Uh, <laughs> ten forward with turtleneck John Doe and Beverly clinking some tangerine glasses. Now, he gets a little creepy in this particular scene. With the There are people all together here. Kind of different kinds. That's not what I'm used to. And once again, we're like, well, what are you used to? I don't know. I don't know. That. I don't know. Don't ask me a question. I don't know. <laughs> if it was made today, the point they would be making is that he, I think, is is the racist that they're implying the, the society is. He's like, he's made uncomfortable by all these different people being in one place. We find out in a little while that it's more like he's rebelling against the lack of this in the place he comes from. You know, we think of him as a free thinker, blah, 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 who's rebelling against, you know, 1984 style oppression. I don't know. It's not a useful thing to play this same 
gag over and over about, oh, this is bad, but I don't know why. Like, at this point, I'm getting frustrated with it. What do you guys think? I had—I mean, I had a totally different interpretation than the three of you did on this. Maybe it's because I do have the memory of what this episode was. So I was on board with him being sincere uh, the entire way and that his what's happening to him, he's, it's out of his control. and may be dangerous, but it's not something that he's choosing to do. And so I interpreted it the way that you just said, Eric, that he, he was thinking that, oh, there's a lot of different peoples here and there doesn't seem to be as much judgment about people just being different. That's not something I'm used to because I'm used to being oppressed for being different. Right. I'm saying that is what they intended, but my cynical ass didn't go with it. <laughs> I thought Basically. I thought by this point that he was some sort of a human bomb that he didn't that he didn't know about, right? That like because he says I'm on mm. a journey. What's happening in my body is part of that journey, and I have to complete that. Like that, there's some sort of like overriding mission that he had. That's that's where I was at this point. I didn't think he was a bad guy at this point. Um, but I'm with you, Eric, about the... I wasn't frustrated they didn't tell us anything because... I, I don't know why. In this particular episode, I just wasn't frustrated at the lack of give me more about who he is. But now that you mentioned it, I wonder why they even went down that road because it didn't really serve a purpose other than not getting to the point too soon because they didn't really have much... Right. To debate other than the little two minute exchange at the end. And so I, I guess you're like, well, we can't let everyone know because we don't have enough material here to sustain us. If he had known every detail and not had any amnesia, it still would have been fine. He could have said, you know, I can't talk about it right now, but I promise you I'm no danger. And then Troy's like, I sense no deception from him. Right. And then you're fine, right? <laughs> you don't have to keep having the same half conversation 12 times in a row. All right, they talk. It's still pretty smashy-smashy. And like Kate says, uh, John Doe ends up with basically a don't fall in love with me, kid. Right. Because uh, we both know where this one ends. So they're interrupted. Oh, shit, a vessel is coming. I cannot tell you what kind but it's coming and it's at warp 9. Point what? 72. 72, Kate. Yes. That's, That's some horse shit. They'll get here in 10 hours. Well, yeah. I thought maybe Luxana was on board. <laughs> <laughs> Picard yells, <laughs> John Doe glows again and drops. Oh, it's so much worse than before this glow. Readings are fluctuating wildly, they say. That's another one. Like, I want to be able to scream, readings are fluctuating wildly. Let me off this ship, and suddenly, John Doe is a runner. He, like, stumbles out the door very well. Turns that left, and you're not going to catch him. And those poor nurses and Beverly are just like, what do we do? Can't. Not equipped to handle this. They're not good sprinters. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, he found a shuttle bay. What are the odds... That he just found a shuttle bay. Well, not only that, he... Eric, the, the odds, but the training he must have gone through to understand the basics of any kind of computer interface, even if it's absolutely and totally, totally alien and uh, a species you've never met before. Not only him, but Riker in the last episode, like there must be just profoundly brilliant training where they're like, we're going to teach you how to do this. And it doesn't matter what ship you're on or what language is it in. You're going to be able to hotwire any spaceship in the universe. The blue wire means this. 
That's a universal constant of physics. It does take him a while pushing some buttons enough for Worf to get up there and threaten him. I was watching Future World the other day and that exact moment happens with Peter Fonda and Blythe Danner. So like this is this has been a sci-fi trope for at least 50 years at this point. <laughs> He's found the shuttle bay and Jordy is there and he and his people are realigning the starboard nacelle so hard they don't see the glowing turtleneck threat just above them. Security calmly saunters in and Worf can't yell him down <laughs> he's gonna steal a ride the door opens and Worf confronts him oh my goodness what about this fall as they throw Worf over the barricade it was violent I didn't know that Worf died he said he broke his neck <laughs> they said yeah. no life signs right yeah she scans him yeah, with the new dead. tricorder says there's no life signs he's dead he's gone and that's the new tricorder. Yeah. So it really, it even knows if your soul is left and gone to Klingon heaven or wherever. Yeah, no, he's gone. I definitely noted Worf's wig doing some uh, some heavy lifting uh, up yes. in this. Yeah. Good fall, nice though. Fall. Like, I believe it. It hits the wall. Yeah. And it hits the ground. Yeah. And the editor kind of adds a twist to it. Like, I'm into it. I loved it. It looked dangerous. It did. So Worf's dead. I think that he's going to stay that way. All evidence points to it. <laughs> but no, there was no way at this point. Like, they have they have ended all goodwill doubt that I used to have with Tasha and the way that she went. Now, uh, there's just no doubt. There's no way they were ever going to kill Worf in this particularly offhand kind of way. And I'm glad. Fuck that. Keep Worf. I don't know why I tried to steal the shuttlecraft is the next moment. Did anybody want to talk about the wharf dead and bringing back to life in this particular moment? I just thought it was interesting that he kind of created that John Doe kind of cradles his neck a little bit, almost in a religious way, right? Like it definitely seemed like, I know he was trying to get to the injury by putting his hands there, but it, there's a lot of ways in which this mirrors uh, rituals in Catholicism and other kind of things. And so this was just another one where I was like, you're really, oh, you're bringing, you know, Lazarus back from the dead here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting what you're putting down, writer. I didn't even get it until a little bit later when I wrote down, oh, God, is this a Jesus story? <laughs> it, it took me so long. I It took me a long time, too, when I wrote, holy shit, is this fucker Jesus? <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I felt bamboozled. That's his middle name, by the way. Fucker Jesus. <laughs> John Jesus Doe. <laughs> What next is, I don't, you know, he says, why did you try and steal our shell of He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's just over and over. It's why did you do this? And I don't know. And again, I'm a little sick of it. So we move forward. We get the you killed a member of my crew confrontation from Picard. Did I? Immediately, his friend Beverly Crusher says, and healed him. And I'm like, if I am murdered and then healed by somebody, I would like you to be upset about the murder first. Then later on, we can all be relieved about the healing. And then Captain changes his wording to what are you? And I'm like, oh, Cap, be careful here. Because I think you're implying that this dude's the Hulk. <laughs> that shit's going to go terribly for the USS Enterprise, right? What if this guy's the Hulk? And he can't control it. He's got to rip his way out. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's basically what's happened a couple of times where he can't control what's happening to him. No, you're That's right. what I'm saying. He says, let me go before I let go. Like all of the, it's all Hulk talk. He's asking for what you proposed at the very beginning of the show to uh, be burned. Burn him! Or at least Put let him, him out. Let, let me him go away. so let I can go burn up somewhere and not hurt anybody. 
It's not unreasonable. Yes. Like, I just killed somebody. You think putting yes. me in your cell is going to help? Get me out of here. Help me help you. Right. The vessel approacheth. I find myself excited to see a vessel when they don't, like, show it. And then they're like, oh, here it comes. And then this one is just such a total letdown. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's like a cargo ship from the Federation. That goes really like fast, two generations though. Ago. It goes really fast. And apparently it can match the Enterprise right. in weaponry. And I'm like, that piece of shit. But maybe, you know what? Shouldn't judge. Agree, Kate. Because they didn't do a good enough job with the special effects, right? Because they made the ship look really small in comparison. Yeah. Like, it did not look formidable. Um, Size doesn't matter, Jimmy. Size matters when it comes to spaceships. They did not spend money on this particular episode. (laughs) Julie Warner, I want to point out, was still an honest-to-God movie star at this point. So maybe that's where every dime of this episode Mm. went. And they couldn't even afford to make the miniatures look bigger. Mm. They do have at least one very powerful weapon we'll see very soon. Oh my goodness, right? In the middle of the wonderful conversation between Jordy and John Doe, Jordy is all like, thank you for the new me. And John Doe is like, perhaps the alien confidence was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Was there any need for the entire Jordy subplot? No. (laughs) It reminded me, I worked for at a summer stock theater uh, in Iverton, Connecticut, Iverton Playhouse. Oh, Iverton Playhouse. Which I love. Uh, and they had a family, and one of them was named uh, Owen. He was a womanizer, you know, actor, just a, you know, a knowable cad, uh, and Ooh. was very funny, and I yeah. always enjoyed him. And then they did Godspell, and he was one of the apostles, and the guy who played Jesus in Godspell was like this fucking character, both off huh. stage and on stage. And everybody loved this dude. Everybody loved real Jesus and fake Jesus. Even, you know, my my friend who was this like lovable, you know, terrible human being who would drink and blah, all these things. But he had, he would say, he's like, I've never believed in God or Jesus or had any kind of spiritual experience, but I am on board with this dude. And I don't know why it just, I got caught up in the moment and it changed me. Whatever, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it did. That's what this scene reminded me of was because I feel like Jordy. Who was it? <laughs> Name the Lord. <laughs> uh, I forget. I actually even forget. I think he like he did this role. Jesus he... Christ at Ivoryton Playhouse in Connecticut, everybody. Yes, exactly. One of the readers find out who this dude is and let's all subscribe to his newsletter. He, he's, he was an energy being now, Eric. He doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, and shaped like a sock. That's a, that's so that's what I felt like Jordy was kind of acknowledging. Like I don't know what happened. You gave me something. I don't you know whatever it is. And then it, the clap. <laughs> Thank you, King. In a classic kind of Messiah type way, he was just like, well, I don't, I don't know what I gave you, but <laughs> you know, I you, you got it from yourself. I really hated it. <laughs> I hated that. I hated it. It's valid. I I will say that this next, well, this next moment is where I finally was like, okay. Because as soon as we meet this other ship's captain, he is such, he's so loathsome. Commandant Sunad of Zalkan? He wears black gloves. Right? Well, this guy is Charles Dennis, a Canadian, north of the borderer. An actor and writer whose radio plays have been heard all over the world, and he entered the business as a young actor in radio dramas of the 50s. Started out in Toronto theater, lots of stage in London, including Sydney and Death Trap, Los Angeles, New York, all over. He's a novelist with a dozen or so works. 
He's written movies and TV series, including the Jane Mansfield story. Dude is in a ton of video games and just generally has his hands in a lot of pies. So what were you thinking about old Sunad of Zalcon? Well, he does he does a great job being a fascist, right? Like the immediately as he starts talking about you know, disruptive influence, like against the natural order. Like now all of a sudden I'm on John Doe's side. I'm like, okay, I get it. This is not the story that I thought it was. This is, you know, the revolutionary that, that we have to protect. So. Totally. You know, give us that John Doe, if that indeed is not his name. (laughs) And the moment that he comes out with that kind of tone, I'm I'm right on his side, just like you say. Like, fuck you, dude. But part of it is just that he wears a uniform that's all drab and John Doe is like all hippie and tie-dye. I'm like, yeah, I'm on his side at this point. He says, you aided a criminal, an escaped prisoner. We want to kill him. He's a disruptive influence and a dissenter. It's topical, like you say. It's topical as always, this show. After the call, the person at Wesley Station gives a little look that I love over to, like, Data. (laughs) The camera's moving from the uh, on-screen over to follow Picard to talk to everybody and whoever they have sitting at Wesley Station... Yes. Gives this eye rolly kind of like, wow, did you guys get a load of that <laughs> look as the camera goes by? It's fucking wonderful. I loved it. Worth the price right there. So Troy tells Picard that the Zarconians are afraid of John Doe. I'm like, well, the guy keeps threatening to explode. <laughs> Burn him. Burn him! And John, again, he helps them out by saying, I can't confirm or deny anything that he said. I, I don't know. Who can know objective truth? <laughs> when you've got amnesia. And then he says, but I'm convinced that something I don't know is also the most important thing. So it's very important that I survive. <laughs> I can't tell you why, but I just feel like I should survive. Oh my god. It's almost literally what he says, too. <laughs> literally, yeah. Well, I I love uh, immediately Bev stands up for him, right? And is like yes. she's a believer at this point. Uh she has paid the extra money to get into the advanced, you know, uh healing <laughs> sessions. She's in the pyramid scheme. <laughs> but Jean-Luc Picard gets a little crustier than I think is usual and i think he might be a little bit jealous oh he's jelly oh that's a good interpretation canon definite canon (laughs) okay thank you i'll have to go back and double check that one i had missed that and i was so busy making fun of the writers (laughs) while they made the characters debate the death penalty and prime directive again the men are like what they want a guy who looks like them naturally really just give him to him and troy's like yeah and Bev's like, no, that's really fucked. It, it was just both guys were kind of on board with like, well, I understand why they why they want to do this. And who's to say they're wrong? <laughs> Bev's like, we say they're wrong. What are you talking about? So they go back to the on-screen talk, really a lot more repetitive stuff. Like, give him to us. It's a no. And again, three or four more times they go through that. Why? None of your concern. And eventually we finally get to it. He's got powers. No, he doesn't. What kind of powers? And then that's where I'm like, oh, is this a that's Jesus parable? I, I have it too. written right me there. Too. Right yeah. there. And I, as I was typing that, everyone stopped breathing. 
Did that happen to you too, Kate? Yes, he's like... I was typing my Jesus thing. Wasting in the wall? They got Darth Vader. Entire crew. Everybody got Darth Vader. That's a huge power that they have. Like, that is unheard of. Like... That's terrifying. Yeah. And was it clear to you guys if it was a technological thing? Like he motions to the guy in the background and he hits a button? Or is this like they all can do this? And he's just like, boom, I'm going to choke you. I'm choking you out now. It was not clear to me. It seemed to me that it was a weapon of some kind because he did. He gave the order to his crew mates to do it. A sonic weapon from the ship, not from a person but we don't get any information from tactical as to what it is and how it does but no, i do were, know they were choking that if you're going to heal people <laughs> all you need to do is touch a wall right and then you can emanate your energy out from from that well, wall that's the thing like they were both very relaxed about it like she was freaking out she clearly knows what it feels like to have gone through this and he just very calmly walks over to her nods a few times motions her her tricorder away she's like put that away i'm jesus yeah (laughs) well and that's the second one like she's already had this whole thing happen now they both very calmly walk into the hall notice that it must be everybody then they slowly kneel down beside this person i'm like at that point don't you think it's thousands of people and you start hurrying yeah they're not sprinters though they're not very hurt no we're just we're just completely giving up on given circumstances and thoughts of the other and just today's shoot day starts with us sauntering very relaxed up to this person Oh, it's my dog. I was gonna say, okay? God, we gotta keep that. Burn it. <laughs> Sounds like your dog has an iron lung. He's fourteen and a half and a heavy smoker. <laughs> uh, I was about to read the line I have here next, which is, "Who was who did the choking? Was it Sunad? So it was your dog." Sorry. <laughs> so at this point, John Doe's sweater is showing full nipples. Oh yeah. So not only is this the the mine. big effect, uh, the big effect uh, <laughs> outfit, but it's a skimpy big effect outfit, and uh, the cod piece that Kate had identified earlier uh, is in full effect in this scene as well. I was looking. <laughs> but here we go: genetically engineered mutants who were then targeted by their creators, just like Jesus. Now wait a minute. That's were what they it comes genetically engineered? It was the sort no, of. No, no, no. They were uh, evolutionarily engineered. Yeah, I was about to How's say that? the biggest. They were put out there. <laughs> Which well, is just called evolution. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Evolution and genetics are connected. <laughs> well, this is when I realized that we were more in X-Men ter- territory than Jesus right. territory, right? Where it's, oh, no, yes. this is this is the next level for this group, you know, or, or at least for certain people in this, you know, in this species. And that the government has been, you know, terrorizing them and keeping that, clamping that shit down. Well, I'm not wrong in thinking that the X-Men writers have thoroughly explored the Jesus myth as a mutant myth many, many times over the course of their writing. So they agree with you, Kate. This is canon. This is X-Men meets Star Trek. (laughs) And we have made sure that that is just dead on truth. He has saved everyone. He has come to the bridge. And just like that, he gets rid of his boys, sends them packing, 
and becomes Mr. Burns from the season yes! two episode of The Simpsons, Burning, Glowing in the Woods yes! at Night. Yes, I love that episode. Sorry. It's basically the, that's what he looks like, right? I'm like, that's what you guys Yay! appear to be going yes. for. Wasn't Leonard Nimoy in Joy. that one too? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's the, the X-Files one. one. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the Simpsons special effect was better. Correct. <laughs> oh, man. Like the, the very, maybe, maybe it was better before it was in HD. Like maybe mm. I couldn't see it as much I on the VHS. I think that's probably true. Point. I think it looked a lot better before we got to see the wrinkles on the back of the neck. Yes. Oh, my God. Like that stuff. There was a little nipple on top. Uh, Not very it's... evolved. No. I mean, he basically <laughs> no. looks like the human being mascot from Community. In yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, exactly. Well, and it looks like the kind of like uh, scratch edit shot that you would do as a placeholder, right? Like mm. we'll come in later. And we'll fix this in post, and yeah. they just never yeah. fixed it in post. And that's why Jimmy was like, "Nope, we did, we did minimal right. touch-ups needed." Right. And and no, mu- his voice is muffled from the suit. Like yes. they clearly did not no re-record ADR that at all on it. Either. It sounds like he's talking through a through blow the tube. Sock. Yeah. Like so, you evolved oh, without just... a mouth, but you still have vocal this cords. Poor motherfucker. I think that Gates yeah. McFadden deserved an Emmy. <laughs> Uh, just for not laughing when he touches her with that gloved, that glowing gloved hand. Okay, but then she also does like, like this almost like kitty thing where she's like trying to like nuzzle with his hand as he's withdrawing it. Did where you are know you that going? Too? Where are you going? Will you take <laughs> me with you? Day by day. All right, so basically that's the end. He says, I did love you, Bev. Bye. <laughs> and then it's over. It just ends. Well, it turns into a being. Here's the deal. If they had the technology to turn him into the beam of light at the end, why why wasn't that what was just hanging Amen. out in front of Beverly? Yes. Like, Amen. It reminds me of my favorite uh, This American Life where they talk about an, uh, a, a, a Peter Pan that went wrong and it started wrong when Tinkerbell was a, just a light bulb on the end of an extension cord. <laughs> <laughs> and then it broke. Like this is just oh, it's so it's he might as well have been wearing a Wisconsin cheese hat. Like it's just bad. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe they were worried that Deanna Troy would have freaked out thinking it was her baby from that one episode where the light. Oh. Came. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the good light. point. Those good point. Done had some yeah. nookie. We have reached the end of our episode just as suddenly as the episode reached the end of its episode. With final thoughts, uh, I go first to you, Jimmy G. What are you thinking on this one? I'm going to give this one five yellow socks. Because that's what the actor looked like he was in. It's okay. It's middling. It would even get a five if it wasn't for the absolute hysterical moments for Worf. So should you see this? Yes. Time stamp it, go to the warp seats and watch those because they truly are gems. These should definitely be in his in memoriam clip whenever Michael Jordan passes because they are just pristine. One of the big things I was like, why didn't they ask if there's a new species name? Like, you know, your new species, we're glad we're glad you're here. You know, like, what do we call you? How do we get in touch with you? So Zoltanians. 
He's got to get a different name, right? The glow buds or something. <laughs> something with glow worms. Glow, glow buddies. Yeah. But anyways, a five. Five it is. Monstrous. I love it. What a breakdown. Greg Tito, join us with your own wrap-up of this particular episode. I like this episode. I think I'm going to give it eight dates to the Arboretum with Jordy. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe it just this is pure nostalgia for me, but this one was one. It felt like a walk down memory lane for me. I remember watching this one with my family and being along for the ride. The amnesia stuff, uh, as you're pointing out, Eric, in hindsight, I'm like, okay, I guess that really isn't necessary, but I was along with uh, the discovery and having the uh, mystery being what is happening to this person over and over and over again uh, uh, drew me. Uh, here on the second watching. Again, I like the relationship between Beverly and John growing, but not necessarily being romantic. I thought that was actually kind of important that they're like, this guy touched their lives for the brief moment that he was on board. And I thought that was kind of a cool story. I'm not really a religious person, so I kind of reject the, the Jesusness. But I think at the time that I was watching this, I had not yet fully rejected Jesus. So I was nostalgic for that innocence when I was watching this. And I kind of... <laughs> I appreciate this story so much more than many of the biblical par parables that are out there because it just felt like a growth like oh this is this is the, the how you can go from being you know not confident to being confident by having a glow person touch you and uh, <laughs> that happened to me so I enjoyed it yeah autobiographical for Greg Tito and we come upon the final reactions for this episode from Miss Kate Yeager. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to give this one a five and a half non-worrying skin mutations. <laughs> uh, because it's not terrible and it's not great, but it is an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and like Jimmy said, like there, there are some classic you know, wharf moments. And, you know, I think my biggest problem with it is the B story because it, it doesn't pay off. You know, we get to see Jordy, you know, uh, if this sort of character development for Jordy extended beyond, and maybe it does, maybe upon further review, we will, we'll learn that like, this was a paramount moment in uh, what, what Jordy becomes, you know, it would be one thing, but it's just sort of a throwaway, like, uh, uh, did it do something? Did it not do something? I don't know. And neither do you. That's how I feel. But I'm bump. I like it. Five and a half. We got a five from Jimmy. We got Craig or Greg at a six. I said eight. We seem to be eight. Holy fuck. I missed that. Boy, were you wrong. I guess I guess I got to come and, and just be honest with you here. I'm giving it two and a Whoa! half. Wow. Criminally underused Julie Warners. I think that three or four wharf lines and one of my favorite cameo appearances just do not make a good episode. I think this is one of my least favorites that isn't coming from a political stance. I just think it's a bad episode. <laughs> that said... I, I love your passion, Greg Tito. I love your face, Jimmy G. I love everything about you, Kate Yeager. To not put too fine a point on it, my pants are wet. And uh, I thank you all for joining us on this particular journey with Transfigurations.
Guys, that was fun. That was really fun. <laughs> we appreciate you for voyaging with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge crew on all of the social medias. Kate Yeager is Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Reengage is edited by me, Greg Tito. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo97. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now as Dr. Beverly Crusher is ready 